Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Irish Times Business Podcast in association with Irish Life. Eight of the top ten Irish companies choose to do business with us. We know Irish life. We are Irish life. Hello and welcome to the Irish Times Inside Business Podcast. I'm Cliff Taylor, standing in this week for Kieran Hancock. On today's show, we look at the announcement of major job losses at two multinationals, Novartis in Ringeskiddy and Molex in Shannon. Apart from the devastating effect on employees and communities, do these decisions have anything in common? Are they signs of a trend to come? And I'll talk to Connor Pope about the difficulties faced by many customers of air and ask whether the telecom firm's promise to improve customer service is finally starting to bear any fruit. But first, Laura Slattery is in studio for a roundup of some of the week's other stories. Laura, WeWork has pulled out of some deals for office space in Dublin. Tell us what's happened. Yeah, so WeWork, as we know, it's a troubled WeWork to give it its full title. Absolutely. It's having all these kind of huge uh, dramas at corporate level. But here on the ground in Dublin, there's also a few different things going on, um, as documented by our colleague uh, Ronald Quinnan. He's written this week that WeWork has pulled out of two further office deals for office space in Dublin. One, which was almost 9,000 square metres of office space at the Cleary's Quarter, a very high profile site there on O'Connell Street. And uh, also it was, you know, supposed to be sort of letting, I think, all of the the, the forum building in the in the IFSC, which is 47,000 square foot. Um, but it's backed for, out for, of that for too. Yeah, spaces, I mean, it's, so it's, it's, I mean, it is, it's the biggest kind of leaser of this type of space, flexible office space, co-working space, mm. um, however you like to term it in Dublin as it is. Um, but there's been a couple of deals now where it seems to have walked away at, at one point or another uh, around the city. So maybe, the, you know, maybe some of its ambition has been blunted a and bit. What's the company saying? Well, I mean, the, they've told uh, Ronald um, that they're still very committed to Dublin and and they're, you know, excited to be building what they call a strong community here in the city. And they're still looking at different buildings in different markets. Uh, it's, it's normal, they sort of imply that it's normal not to proceed with everything that they look at. Um, but they, um, their but statement is like talks about great office space design and amenities and continuing to, to sure. explore those opportunities. But perhaps not surprising given the 
upheaval at corporate level. Well, I mean, I don't like it's. It's interesting. I mean, I, I it's interesting to see that the, these two things are coinciding. But mm. uh, I don't know. I don't know how big a link we can draw. But sure. um, certainly, it's been a tumultuous time for uh, WeWork, and even now this week, um, its biggest shareholder, SoftBank, the Japanese investment company, which owns about a third of the company, mm. has has taken it over. Uh, and it's a deal that that values uh, the we company as the parent company's own at just eight billion, and that compares uh, rather miserably to the sort of near fifty billion valuation that had been privately sort of mentioned at the, in January. Sure. And of course, between now and then, we've had the uh, pulled uh, IPO, and we've had the co- the founder um, Adam Neumann leaving the company. In effect, he's going to be an observer. They say, mm-hmm. but in in effect, uh, the whole saga of WeWork has, has been one of the, I suppose, the the most dramatic of the year. Sure. Now, speaking of dramatic sagas, uh, Brexit goes on and on. Uh, still no clarity as we speak on when the UK may leave. Uh, although Boris Johnson did get approval for a deal this week, Moody's have been saying something about the impact on the UK economy uh, in the long term. Yeah, now Moody's today um, said, uh, okay, so even though the likelihood of the UK leaving with a deal is now a bit higher than it was since uh, MPs voted to back Mm -hmm. Boris Johnson's deal there, sort of, um, (laughs) they are saying, look, the uncertainty from this is going to weigh on the UK economy for for some time. And, um, you know, we still don't know the timing, the eventual outcome. Uh, This is all taking its hold on spending and investment and hiring decisions and they call it a clear credit negative as a credit ratings agency is uh, want to do. Which means not good. Yeah. So there's actually been a few there's actually been a few sort of people commenting on the economic uh, stance this week. The CBI there in Britain was saying that the no the the sort of flirtation with no deal had seen uh, a cutback in investment in the third quarter. Also the rate at which companies are going bust in the UK was also bit higher than it had been and it's actually the highest since uh, 2013 but they're all kind of talking in a bit of a vacuum still because there's no actual official treasury <laughs> economic sure. impact and assessment of this deal mm. and I said that although MPs um, backed it they haven't backed the timetable so we still don't know where we are at the sort of time of speaking we're not sure exactly what's going to happen sure. and, and the possibility of a general election yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, and as some of the, the currency markets are saying that's going to take another sort of a bit of a knock on sterling, which had been sort of rising again, but has has taken a bit of a dip uh, just lately and um, could be in another period of turmoil. Sure. OK, finally, electric charging used to be free, but we're going to have to pay for it. Tell us the uh, ESB plans for electric car charges? Well, these are all slightly theoretical to me, Cliff, because I don't okay. drive. But uh, So I will never, I don't have to make this choice between petrol, diesel and, and electric cars. But sure. some people people have already, of course, made that choice. And they've, they've been brave because they've done it at a time when, as I understand it, <laughs> the infrastructure for charging yeah. isn't really maybe brilliant. Um, but uh, there's, there's about a thousand of these points now around the country, as I, as I understand it. And the ESB having sort of thought about it several times and not quite got their act together on it is now introducing uh, pricing for the network okay. which I'm sure will be uh, a joyous new news for everyone who has uh, <laughs> converted already to electric cars so um, there's two sort of models there's a subscription model and a kind okay. of a pay-as-you-go and um, if you are pay-as-you-go you're going to be charged 33 cents per kilowatt 
Um, but you can pay a fiver a month and then you get a reduced uh, charging fee of 29 cents per kilowatt. Um, as I understand it, if you have, you, most people will, they will certainly investigate if they have an electric car having a uh, charging point at home. Sure. Um, and that would, you know, rather than depending on these things the whole time. Okay. Um, but um, it's certainly, this will, this will obviously add to their costs. Um, and, you know, the ESP is saying, well, it's cheaper than petrol, cheaper than, than diesel, but mm. um, it, is a, is a, it is a new price. But still, I guess the electric cars are still generally more expensive. So uh, this could give pause for thought, I think, uh, at a time when many people perhaps were, were thinking of yeah. if, if, if they changed their car. It feels the like a delicate time. And especially mm. as, OK, a thousand points that but that maybe, you know, still if there's not one near you or, or it doesn't suit for your journey, then maybe it's 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 not a runner, really. Sure. Possibly not quite at the tipping point for electric cars yet, but I'm sure we'll get there at some stage. Laura Slattery, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Cliff. Yesterday, US multinational Molex announced it would lay off 500 full-time employees at its plant in Shannon, which it is to close. That grim news was followed this morning by an announcement by Swiss pharmaceutical firm Novartis, which is shedding over 300 jobs at its plant in Ringeskiddy. I'm joined to discuss this by Deputy Business Editor Dominic Coyle. Dominic, bring us through some of the uh, details of what's happened. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of a blow for us. We're not used to succession of uh, job loss announcements, and it's been a rarity in recent years. Molex, who are a manufacturer of various parts for the for the auto industry and for the technological sector, they've been down in Shannon since 1971. They've employed 500 most recently there, just over 500. They did actually let 100 people go about 10 years ago when they had previously problems. But now they appear to have run into problems with the ongoing uh, trade war between the US and China, and most particularly what that does in terms of tariffs and how economic it makes the production of certain of their items. A lot of the items produced down in Shannon are older items. They, they've been running a long time. They're generally lower margin. Um, and that's that's illustrated by the fact that the company, apart from letting the jobs go, has said that they're prepared to sell a lot of these product lines to anybody who will take them. So it looks like the Shannon workforce, who have been, been very well established there, have just got caught on, on as collateral damage in Mr. Trump's ongoing war with, with China. Okay, interesting. And uh, Ring of Skiddy, is there any connection between the two? Uh, Ring of Skiddy, no, there's no connection between the two at all. Um, Ring of Skiddy, again, was a surprise in terms of the, the timing of the announcement. It's not necessarily a surprise that there are job losses in the pharmaceutical sector. It tends to be a more cyclical sector. Different drugs come and go. Different plants are built up for new product lines or are running out of, of the lifetime for their existing products. And Novartis's plant down in, in Ringeskiddy is is there an awful long time. It used to be the Sandoz plant initially. Sandoz became part of, Ring, of Novartis when it was formed in 1996, I think. And um, it look, there's been spare capacity at that plant for a long time. That's been fairly well known within the industry. So Novartis in 2016 announced a review of all their plants to try to establish, uh, I think, a billion in cost-cutting that they want to do across the group and to take account of the fact that they were running into trouble with the cycle of their drugs. A lot of their drugs were coming towards the end of their patent life and they were gearing up for a whole new generation of drugs that had not yet come on the line. Ringeskiddy is an active pharmaceutical ingredient plant, so it's fairly low technology, if you like, um, in, ter in terms of what it's producing. So in a review, it was always likely to be vulnerable. 
Having said that, there was nobody expecting an announcement today. Sure. And is the high cost base, the relatively high cost base here, perhaps versus other locations, is that a factor? Yeah, it, it's always a factor. The IDA and others have worked extremely hard in recent years to try to persuade these companies that are invested here to try to move up the value chain, to try to bring in development and more advanced high-value high jobs into the area. Because there is a, a, a simple awareness that in, in labour cost terms, we are not going to be as competitive as other parts of the world. That, that Those days are long gone. Um, part of the price we pay for, for our relative success in recent years is that we're not, we're not as, um, as successful in pitching for that type of business. Okay, but Novartis will still retain a significant operation in Ringeskiddy. Yes, my understanding is is one of the um, the few uh, pieces of uh, solace that people are taking out of this announcement is that the whole plant isn't going, uh, and it's not even they're not even taking out the whole of one section of the plant. They're keeping part of the active pharmaceutical side. They're keeping part of the global supply support side that they have down there as well. So um, so there is hope that that th- those jobs may develop again with more things coming through the the life cycle. And they will either find something for Novartis to bring into the the remaining unit that they are shutting down, or maybe see if they can sell it on to another pharmaceutical or other company that might be able to move in there. Sure, sure. So no direct trend or no direct connection between the two, but is is there something of a trend here in that these are both long-established multinationals here? As you said, Ireland is, can't compete anymore on, on labour costs, and, and the world economy is slowing a bit. Maybe companies under pressure to cut costs... Trump's tariffs, maybe the maybe a background that isn't just quite as favourable as, as it would have been uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, well, to be fair, the IDA, I think, has noted, probably in the, I think it's in their most recent uh, half-year report, that um, that's the our foreign direct investment, our losses in foreign direct investment companies has been running at record lows. Okay. That was never likely to last forever. It, it's actually astonishing, mm-hmm. given our, our performance through the recession and all, that that we we are now looking at the sort of uh, job losses we haven't seen in a number of years. I think Hewlett Packard might have been the last one sure. that was anything along this scale. I think if there is any um, line joining the two companies, is that both of them were seen to have been towards the end of their life cycle, the products that they were producing in those plants. It emphasizes, I guess, what the IDA and others have been saying for years: the importance of consistently regenerating the type of business we do in these companies in Ireland. Just because we get an FDI investment, we can't sit on our laurels. We need to actually consistently try to encourage them to bring new products in, upskill the workers, up, you know, bring the products themselves up the, up the value chain. And that relies, among other things, on government policy as well. The whole ongoing thing about corporation tax and, and that will be something that companies are very nervous about. So, you know, it's, it's important that we keep our advantages and that we don't suddenly get complacent because of our relative success in recent years. And obviously, well, this is the negative side. There are other parts of the FDI picture where we're told there's a strong inward pipeline of investment. Where, where are we looking at? Where, where are the plus points? Well, we've been looking and technology has been very good. Uh, call centres have been good, but, but pharmaceuticals have been very good. Right. It's not just not necessarily active pharmaceutical ingredient plants. Mm. Uh, we are bringing in a lot of jobs in pharmaceuticals. So the, sorry, the active pharma plants would tend to be more bulk. They're more bulk. Production. Exactly. Where cost they, is more important. It, exactly. Their lower, lower technology cost is more of an issue. But there are huge numbers of jobs coming in, or large numbers of jobs coming in, in pharmaceuticals and have been over several years. In Ring and Skitty itself, there are a lot of companies, not just 
there for a number of years, but coming into the area. So there are opportunities with reskilling for, for many of these workers, hopefully in the Novartis operation. And there are companies, you can see there are a number of companies I've spoken to in recent times who have actively invested in their plants down there, not for products that they have coming through their, their pipelines at the moment, but to make themselves ready for products that may be becoming available so that should the a, a global multinational uh, Pfizer or whatever be looking for a, a site for a new a new product, their Irish companies can put their hands up and say, hey, you know, we're ready to go with this. We, you know, we, we've made the upgrades. We've got ourselves ready. Uh, and that's happening with quite a number of companies down d- across Ireland and certainly in the pharmaceutical sector and in Ring and Skiddy, uh, well, Cork generally. Uh, so, it, you know, there, there are a lot of opportunities in that sector. OK, so you mentioned the possibility for some reskilling, perhaps, or re-employment of the uh, Novartis employees. What about the 500 people in the, in the Molex closure? Uh, will there be opportunities for them? Do they need to did, did, develop new skills, undertake new training? Are those things likely to be put in place? Uh, well, the, uh, the presumption is the government focus is going to have to be on, I mean, they, they talk a lot about doing everything they can to ensure that these, these people find jobs. The first thing they can do is make sure that they are skilled up for the jobs that are available out there. The economy generally is at low employment, almost full employment in, in economic terms, even though that means there's still about 5% of the workforce out, out of, 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 of the, the payroll. But um, so there are jobs out there, there's demand. It's matching the skills with, with those jobs. And that means getting these workers reskilled. There are quite a number of, of companies in the Shannon area, obviously. So there'd certainly be a hope that, that uh, these, these uh, workers could find other work in the region, if not necessarily uh, within walking distance of where they are now. I presume particularly a blow because, as you say, while there are other firms in Shannon, a lot of the FDI recently has come to Dublin and continues to come to Dublin and the surrounding regions, so perhaps yeah. a bit less going to regional locations. Yeah, although um, one of the, the things that, that was being, being noted today is that uh, a lot of the new investment, especially in Farm and areas like that, is going out of Dublin yeah. for a number of reasons, including the cost of living in Dublin and the pool of workers. I mean, in a very tight workforce, Dublin's already fairly constrained. So you're more likely to find these workers uh, in, in other parts of the country. And also, you have better chance of tempting them down to areas where they can live at higher standard of living at a lower cost, uh, while still having challenging challenging jobs that, and, and career progression. So the, the view, certainly in the recruitment sector, seems to be that many of the jobs that are coming in are not necessarily going to be in Dublin, and that there are many jobs coming in. Okay. Dominic, thanks for joining us. Stay with us. We'll be back after this short break. Only 29% of us know how much we need to live on in retirement. Irish Life is changing that with Empower, a new approach to company pensions that helps change the way your employees think about their future. For more, go to irishlifeempower.ie or talk to your pension consultant. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information sourced for Irish Life June 2015. I'm joined now by Irish Times consumer affairs correspondent Connor Pope. Connor, Air is one of the companies you've written about most in your Price Watch column, uh, which appears on Mondays. Uh, unfortunately, not generally for good reasons. Tell us what sort of complaints you've been getting recently and uh, what kind of reaction you've been getting from the public. Well, I have to say Air is a company that uh, I, I, I've been hearing an awful lot about from our from readers for quite some time now. In fact, I'd say over the last 12 months, they are the most complained about company. And they're the most complained about company by a fairly substantial ma- uh, measure. And I take no pleasure in saying that because I've got no set against Air. And, sure. but what the, kind of thing? What kind of complaints are we talking about? I, I, you could almost 
describe the complaints, it, like they're all very similar. And I think that's one of the things that I think most people would find quite upsetting in that these aren't complex issues that, that people are getting in touch with about. They're basically just a failure of the company to adequ- adequately deal with relatively simple problems. And there appears to have been a great degree of difficulty amongst our readers who in making contact with the company and having simple problems resolved. Like I'm talking about the, the, the types of problems I'm talking about is somebody might have cancelled the air service and yet they were still billed for it. And then the billing would go on and on. So they'd call the company and they'd try and get it resolved and they'd be assured that the problem was resolved and then they'd get another bill. So that's one kind of problem. And then the other ones are just the, the obstacles that people face when they're trying to make contact with a company. And again, the same things were coming up over and over again. People would contact the company via the telephone. They'd explain the problems. They'd be assured that the problems would be resolved. The problems would be resolved. So they'd contact the company via web chat or they'd call into the company's shops. And again, they'd be assured the problems would be resolved. But again, the problems would keep on going. And as I say, I featured them quite a few times on the Pricewatch page over recent months. And when I've contacted the company, the company have said to me, yeah, listen, we recognised a year ago or more than a year ago that we had a problem with our customer service department. And they explained to me that they had outsourced their customer care and uh, as a result of the takeover that happened uh, uh, last year, they were bringing back the customer care within the under the umbrella of the air company. And they said, listen, these kinds of changes take time. We recognise there was a problem. We're trying to address the problem and we're going to take ownership of all our customer care again. And that way, the problem will not be as pronounced. Now, they said that a year ago and yet... The level of complaints hasn't really trailed off. I'm still getting the same level of complaints. And we featured there twice on the page on Monday. And again, the stories were, as you can imagine, difficulties making contact with the company, errors in billing, problems getting reconnected or connected at all, those kinds of things. And then that story went on to the Irish Times Facebook page and there was more than 660 different comments posted by readers under that story on the Facebook page. That's a huge reaction. And there was, that's a massive response. And the thing is... Even my Brexit article. Even, don't, get that, <laughs> don't get that reaction, Connor. Um, that's, well, that's, a, that's saying a lot. And the thing is, the problems are all very similar. It's all about difficulties in making contact with the company and difficulties in having relatively simple problems resolved. And this is the thing. And and it's not, you know, it's like I, I, I do have sympathy for the company because it can be difficult sure. to deal with uh, uh, systems when, when, when they go down. But, you know, it's simply not good enough. But this is, to use the awful jargon, a, a consumer facing company. Absolutely. Um, surely this is, should be central to what it's to what it's doing. Well, the, you know, this is the thing. And, I, and, I, and I, I would have to say Air does not stand alone in this. There's an awful lot of other companies that are guilty of this to greater or lesser degrees. And, and, and what they're guilty of is they spend so much time and effort and money on getting new business in that they don't appear to have any energies left or any budgets left to look after the customers that they have. And I think one of the dispiriting things, and this isn't just about Air, it's about an awful lot of those you know, customer facing companies that they don't really care that much about looking after the customers when things go wrong. What they care more about is bringing in new business. And that that is very... So they, ex- they accept the churn, if you like. Exactly. To some and, and, that I, and I think, and again, this is based on my own experience of looking after consumer complaints across, across the board for a long time. I think they almost say it's a part of doing business. That as long as the, as long as the, customer dissatisfaction doesn't reach a certain peak, 
they can manage it. They'll be okay. And as long as people don't start contacting Joe Duffy or as long as people don't start uh, writing to the Irish Times, they'll be okay. And that's not the way to approach it. Customer care should be always to the fore when it comes to these kinds of businesses. And it matters now probably more than ever before because in the past, if you were let down by a company, you'd You'd grumble about it. You might tell tell some colleagues. You might tell some random person you're sitting beside on the bus. But it wouldn't go further than that. But nowadays, with the multiple social media platforms that are out there, if somebody is dissatisfied by a company, they can have that problem amplified to a massive degree almost overnight. And I think that's one of the difficulties that AIR is experiencing because it's not just two readers contacting the Irish Times or five readers contacting the Irish Times or 50 readers contacting the Irish Times. It's the 665 people who then post it underneath the story on the Irish Times saying, me too, that happened to me as well. I've had that problem. Everyone's reading, nodding their head. Absolutely. had outsourced their customer service to an Indian company, is that correct? That's correct, yeah. Certainly it was a a company uh, based far away. And, you know, that that doesn't... If if things are working well, there's no problem with that. But... They ended that arrangement and are, and are now bringing it back in-house. Is it possible that transition is still underway? Is there still a, yes, a period of sorting out and settling down? Possibly. Is now, there what, any light on the horizon well, here? That's what I asked them, actually. I asked them that last week. And I mean, a year ago, they said that they would imagine, they, they, they anticipated that the, it would take a full year to get the problems that they had clearly identified resolved. But we've had that year now and they say, yeah, they've made an awful lot of progress and they've made an awful lot of inroads into resolving their customer care issues. And they're often, and, and you know, they said they were proud of what they've do, had, what they've done over the last 12 months. And because we're not in there, because we're not in the, in the customer care departments, we don't know exactly what's going on. So all we can base our, 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 our view on is what people are telling us. And, as I say, the, the level of complaints haven't really slackened off in, in recent times. Now, and I w- like genuinely, I, I would love for air to completely disappear from my radar. I'd love not to be getting any queries and complaints about air um, because, you know, it, it does become kind of tiring. <laughs> like when you see when you're reading the same problems over and over and over again and as I say you know it could they, they could be resolved and one of the things that and this has struck me for a very very long time um, both w- when I'm doing answering queries uh, on the Irish Times website or in the paper or whatever it is like as soon as we call them the problems are fixed in a heartbeat yeah. and th- like if they can fix the problem in a day because they've been contacted by the Irish Times, they should be able to fix the problem in a day because they've been contacted by their customers because that's the best practice and all companies should aim for that best practice. To what extent is this a problem across the utility sector, uh, Connor? Okay, you're getting a lot of complaints about air. Are you getting a lot of complaints about the energy companies, about other... I get complaints about all telecom companies. companies. I get complaints about all companies and I feature them. I mean, I get complaints about Vodafone. I get complaints about Virgin, 3Mobile... All of the utilities. I mean, that it, it's. But the level of complaints I'm getting about air at the moment is higher. Now, that's not to say it's going to be higher forever. But I think you have. I have seen in recent times, and actually, it's not even that recent. You might be going back five, ten, fifteen years, where, where companies almost make a business decision to put obstacles in the way of their customers making contact with them. So sometimes they just make it so difficult, perhaps in the hope that they'll go away. But surely, if you're an energy company 
you have three or four competitors trying to sell the same service to your customers. Same with the broadband company. The phone company's trying to sell broadband. The broadband company's trying to sell the phone. They're all trying to sell you a TV service. That's right, yeah. And surely customer attention at some point has to become central to all this. Well, that's what I would have thought. But then you actually look at the evidence and the evidence would point to consumer lethargy across the board, no matter what happens. And to give you the probably the most chronic example of that, and it isn't actually to do with a utility, but it's to do with a bank. Uh, several years ago now, Ulster Bank effectively failed to function as a bank for weeks on end during a summer. The people couldn't access their accounts. Money that was being paid into their accounts just disappeared. You would have imagined that there would have been a massive churn when that problem was resolved. And you would have imagined that Ulster Bank would have lost huge volumes of business because they had simply failed. Yet nobody changed bank. Very few people change utilities. I think there was, there was a report done by the Commission for Energy Regulation this summer which said that 75% of people just don't change their energy provider despite the fact that you can save yourself 400 quid a year by doing that. Similarly, very few people change their uh, mo- uh, mobile provider. Very few people change all of these things because it's too much hassle. And I think that's in a way where the companies benefit because you might think, OK, I want to go from... Air to Vodafone or from Vodafone to Air. But you might spend so long on the phone with company A that eventually you just give up and you say, oh, you know what, I'll just stay where I am. And that kind of inertia is what's creating the problem because I, I, the only way that you can put manners on companies, and it doesn't matter what companies they are, the only way you can put manners on companies is with your wallet and by moving from them if they displease you. And that's what we need to see more of. Okay, Connor Pope, a good place to finish. Thank you for joining us. Thanks a lot. Okay, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks to all our contributors, Dominic Coyle, Connor Pope and Laura Slattery. Today's podcast was produced by Declan Conlon. Until next time, goodbye and thank you for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.